You're listening to the Paleo NP podcast, episode number 29. Welcome to the Paleo NP Podcast. I'm Martha, a family nurse practitioner and creator of MarthaFlorence.com. I live in Anchorage, Alaska with my boyfriend and fur children. I'm here to share my take on integrative health, nutrition, and fitness, answer your questions, and talk with health and wellness experts. You can submit your questions at MarthaFlorence.com. Enjoy this week's episode. Remember that the materials and content within this podcast are intended as general information only and are not to be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. You guys, welcome back to another episode of the Paleo NP podcast. It has been so long since I've recorded an episode. I didn't mean to take such a long break. Life just got busy and it turned into a podcast vacation. So anyway, I'm back. And apparently I picked kind of a crazy week to come back to. I just got back from a trip to DC to visit my college roommate and I'm having a rough time getting back into real life mode instead of vacation mode. She's actually an amazing interior designer and my trip happened to coincide with her assistant having surgery. So I became her assistant for the 10 days that I was there, which even though it was work was actually a ton of fun. I will link to her website in the show notes. I believe she works with people virtually as well as in the DC area if you're looking for interior design services. But it was so fun to do work that was completely different from what I usually do. It made my creative brain so incredibly happy and I was glad to be able to be there to spend time with her but also to be able to help her out. Other updates are few and far between. If you're listening to this in real time, it's the end of September in 2018, and I did just get to pre-order from the Beauty Counter Holiday Collection, and I'm unnecessarily excited about that. There is some really great stuff coming out, and I can't wait to get my hands on it. All of the holiday items will be available to the public starting October 11th, I believe, um, or that's the anticipated date. I don't know that we have an official date yet, but um, if you're interested in getting safer skincare and beauty products for your friends and family, it's definitely worth checking out. I will put a link in the show notes. I'm also just getting ready to finish up my Find Your Perfect Diet e-course, which I'm really excited about, and I'll put a link in the show notes where you can sign up for early access which if you're interested in it at all, you should definitely sign up for early access because I don't know that I'm going to release it publicly. And if I do, it's not going to be for a very long time because I've got other exciting things coming down the pipeline and that will go away as being available by itself when that all happens. Also, I did want to just say a huge thank you to everyone who has sent me very nice emails over the last few months about the podcast. I truly appreciate you taking the time to write to me, and it makes me so happy to hear that you like the show. I love making this podcast, and it definitely helps to keep me motivated to keep making it when I hear that it's making a difference in your life and that you find it useful. So thank you so much for that. So today I wanted to take some time to answer a few listener questions. A few of these I've been asked multiple times, which means that I'm sure many more of you out there have the same question. So I thought that I would take some time to answer some of these questions finally. The first one is actually about how I came to do what I do. And I've gotten this question a few times by people in the healthcare world, aspiring nurse practitioners and physician's assistants, or people who want to know what program is best for them or what degree they should get in order to do something similar to what I do. So just a little background on me. 
I always knew that I wanted to go into the medical field. Until I went to college, my intention was to go to medical school. But once I got to college, I think I just felt really overwhelmed. And I decided that I really didn't want to commit myself to that many years of school and residency and whatever else stood between me and actually taking care of patients. So I decided that I was going to go to nursing school instead. Because let's be honest, nurses are the ones who actually spend time with patients. And that appealed to me so much more. So after nursing school, I worked in a high-risk labor and delivery unit as a nurse for over five years, and then I decided that I wanted to go to nurse practitioner school after previously saying that that's not anything that I would ever do. At first, I debated becoming a PA instead, but ultimately I decided that I wanted full autonomy, which is why I went with the NP route, and that just made more sense to me since I was already a nurse. PAs actually have to practice under a physician, and in a lot of states, Alaska being one of them, nurse practitioners get to be fully independent practitioners. People often ask me what the difference between an NP and an MD or a DO is other than the way that we do our schooling, and there's not actually a lot of difference, at least not in the state of Alaska. There are a few things that I can't do that a physician can do, but for the most part, I get to do all of the same things. So I did my schooling through a distance learning program at the University of Cincinnati, which means that I attended all of my classes for my graduate degree online, and I had to arrange for my own clinicals locally here in Anchorage. I chose this route because I needed to be able to work while I was going to school, and that wasn't going to be easy if I had to move out of state and attend school full time. So after I graduated, I went off in search of a job, and you might think that that sounds pretty normal, but what I haven't told you yet is that I've been reading and researching and learning about functional medicine and the role of nutrition in health far before I ever went to nursing school. So even though I didn't attend a program that teaches a more functional approach, which I actually don't even know if those exist yet, I was learning about all of those things on the side and learning how to incorporate it into what I was actually learning in school. There were many instances when what I believed to be true from a more functional perspective did not align with what I was being taught. A particular line in, I believe it was my health assessment textbook, stating that people who are morbidly obese should be put on a very calorie-restricted diet, such as 500 calories per day, really is what stands out to me um, as something that just like really jumped out and did not align with what I knew to be true. But sometimes you really just have to bite the bullet and jump through the hoops to get what you want. And I mean that in the sense of if you have to answer the question on a test that reflects what was written in the textbook, even though you disagree with what's in the textbook, then that's just the way it had to be. My first job as a nurse practitioner was in a public health clinic where I did a lot of women's health and treated a lot of sexually transmitted diseases. I actually had less than 10 minutes with each patient, which was by no means enough time to talk about wellness, let alone get through what was actually going on with them at any given time. So I worked on coming up with some very short but very important things that I wanted to make sure that my patients knew. So things like if you change nothing else about your diet, make sure that you eat more vegetables and be sure that you're eating whole foods instead of packaged foods. After I had built up some experience working in that clinic, I started to look for an opportunity that was more in line with how I wanted to practice medicine. I worked at a functional medicine clinic um, for a little while, but when I left that clinic um, is when I went to work for myself, which is a whole story in itself. But essentially, I didn't want to work in another place that didn't align with my views and the way that I wanted to practice medicine, so I made my own job. 
I do now also see patients in a clinic locally, but that did not come along for almost a whole year after I started looking. And it was something that I definitely would have said no to if it wasn't the right opportunity. And I guess my point here is that first, sometimes you have to work in an environment that doesn't necessarily align with what you believe as a practitioner in order to gain some experience. I know this is also true for a lot of registered dietitians. They want to practice a more paleo or whole foods approach, but they have to jump through a lot of hoops in order to get their license before they can practice the way that they want. And also, even if you aren't in an environment that aligns with what your beliefs are as a provider, you can still work on some of that stuff um, into your practice as you go. I have a friend who's a nurse practitioner in an ENT office, and she definitely spends time with her patients talking about diet and using supplements where they can instead of medication. So even though she doesn't work in a holistic or functional medicine clinic, she still practices in a very holistic way. So I hope that helps some of you out there who are wondering how do you become a more paleocentric practitioner or get into the world of functional medicine. So next I have a question from Carrie. It's either Carrie or Kari, and I'm very sorry if I said it wrong. I had a friend named Kari and a friend named Carrie who both spell their names the same way. So I don't know. Um, but she asks, what is your take on intermittent fasting? So my take on intermittent fasting is that it works really well for some people and not for others. I know that's really super definitive. One big thing that I want to point out with this is um, a problem that a lot of people have with intermittent fasting is that even if you're looking to lose weight, you still need to make sure that you're eating an appropriate number of calories into, in your compressed feeding window. I will link to a study that I'm thinking of in the show notes that talks about this, but basically it showed that the benefits of intermittent fasting were not due to calorie restriction. So just because you're eating in a restricted window does not mean that you should also be restricting your calories. I often caution people who want to do intermittent fasting that they need to choose a window of time that's big enough that they're still able to eat the amount that they want, um, but just on a tighter schedule. Because if you compress that window too much, it's going to be virtually impossible to get all those calories in. There was another study that I can't actually find the link to, but it directly compared intermittent fasting with calorie restriction and found that calorie restriction actually down-regulates metabolism, which isn't a surprise. And they found that intermittent fasting has a huge benefit to insulin sensitivity. The calorie restriction, um, this was a, a study where they had an intermittent fasting group and a calorie restricted group. So the calorie restricted group showed an almost two and a half time slowdown on metabolism compared to intermittent fasting. So there was a slight reduction in metabolism with fasting, but it was not at all significant. Um, and with calorie restriction, the metabol your, their metabolism just dropped off super quickly. It wasn't sort of a gradual decrease that then was recovered when they hit their feeding window again. They also found that there was less weight loss and more muscle loss in the calorie restriction group. It was also harder for them to keep the weight off because their metabolism slowed down so much. And they found that there was more insulin resistance in the calorie restriction group. So my point here is don't confuse intermittent fasting with calorie restriction because they are not mutually exclusive and they're not the same thing. Also, the other thing is that some people just don't do well with fasting. So if you try it, because if you want to do it, you've really just got to try it to know if it works for you, try it. And if you feel terrible, then don't do it. You could ease into it if you wanted to. So just work on slowly compressing the window in which you eat every day. But I definitely think that there are some benefits to fasting. So if it does work for you, it's not something you need to do all the time, but maybe try it for a short period of time and see what happens. 
Um, so as long as you're not restricting your calories, you um, definitely can see some benefits. One of those benefits is, is that you are giving your digestive system a chance to rest because digestion takes up a lot of energy. And if you're just eating all day long, then you're wasting a lot of valuable energy because I assume that you're grazing and snacking rather than eating nutrient-dense foods. You may be eating those nutrient-dense foods too, but snacking between meals isn't usually the same food quality as your meals in my experience. So if you're eating constantly all day long, you're putting a lot of stress on your digestive system. So giving it a chance to rest more than just what you would do overnight um, could also be beneficial. So I hope that answers your question, Gary. And if it doesn't, please reach out and let me know. So this last question is from Kate and Kate asks, I am 42 and I have chronic fatigue syndrome, which was diagnosed last year, but I've had it for years and it's not been picked up. I'm working with a naturopath and a holistic GP here in New Zealand and have good, a good treatment plan. However, I have a few questions that I'd love to ask you. I'm on a paleo diet with no sugar or fruit or dairy, and that's is helping. However, I still get some gut and skin problems. I read about the Whole30 and autoimmune protocol diets, and I noticed some differences between them, i.e. one avoids nightshades and other things like butter and ghee. So wonder which may be better for something like chronic fatigue, where I've had a gut bacterial imbalance slash infection. I know I have a low immune system as I've just had the flu and shingles before that, and I've been off work for four months resting. Also, I recently started to use doTERRA oils, which are awesome. I know that those labeled internal are and okay as food additives for internal use. However, I wonder if there are any cautions around this for someone like me with chronic fatigue and gut issues. Um, and then she goes on to give us a little bit of more information about her diet um, and her exercise. So paleo diet with no dairy, fruit, or any sugars. Try for stretching or yoga a bit. Walking, but other ex exercises cause significant fatigue. Sleeping, sleep is unsettled, but improving. Although I generally need 10 to 11 hours a night to function okay. I'm taking Great Lakes gelatin, maca, L-glutamine, magnesium, slippery elm, probiotic, fish oils, N-acetylcysteine, a mushroom blend, B vitamins, and activated formulation of D. She occasionally has a, some has some 90% dark chocolate, but has decided to stop this. Otherwise, she's been very strict with her diet, she says. Um, and she also says that she has reflux and is on a proton pump inhibitor, which I aim to come off at some stage. So my first thoughts about all of this, Kate, are two things. The first is to potentially get some stool testing for a parasite um, with the history of gut stuff. And it sounds like you actually may be dealing on top of all of this other stuff with something like SIBO, which is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And if that's the case, I would definitely continue to work with your practitioner on a plan to treat those things with the skin and occasional gut issues. It actually sounds more like SIBO and a potential hormone imbalance than a parasite, but it's hard to say without testing. Then as for the part about the Whole30 versus AIP, that's a tough one because um, chronic fatigue isn't technically an autoimmune disease. So I don't honestly know if one would be better than the other, but I would probably start with a Whole30 and see what happens. And then you can transition to AIP after that if you don't get the results that you want with the Whole30. And I really just say that because Whole30 is less restrictive of the two. And sometimes I find that easier for people to start with. But that's, I would say that you're probably fine to do either. As far as the internal use of essential oils, I don't see any contraindication for them with what you've got going on, but that depends on what you're using them for. Um, or if you're concerned about using them internally in general, 
which just a disclaimer about this, not all essential oils can be used internally. You've got to do your research about quality um, because if you use a lower quality essential oil that has contaminants and you could potentially be doing some harm to your body there. Also, when it comes to internal use of essential oils, less is more. So just caution there. Um, and I, I'm not advising anybody to do this. I just want to make sure that you guys understand that. So um, depending on what you're using them for, you can often get just as good of a response from them by using them topically. So with doTERRA essential oils, their digestive blend um, is something that I use. So I know, and I know other people who use it internally, um, but I think it has fennel in it. And I absolutely cannot stand the way that licorice tastes. So I personally have never used it internally. I just dilute it with some coconut oil and apply it topically to my stomach. And I actually get really, really great results. So whether or not um, you use them internally, depending on what you what you're trying to do with them you can potentially get the same effect or just as good of an effect with using them topically for the same thing if you have concerns about using them internally but i don't see any direct um contraindication for using them internally in your situation again i would consult your naturopath about that too but um, that's just my perspective you also mentioned that you're on a PPI, which I would strongly encourage you to work with your general practitioner to get off of that ASAP because I'm pretty convinced that that's what's impacting your gut health the most. And your gut health is so important to your overall health that I think if you can get off of that, you might see some pretty huge leaps and bounds improvements in what's going on. You're definitely going to want to take some digestive enzymes with your meals as you come off of that, but I would really make getting off the um, PPI a priority at this point. There is some some research that suggests that PPIs can actually contribute to fatigue because they decrease the amount of stomach acid, which is critical to helping you digest and get energy from your food. So I would really make that a huge priority. Then the other thing that you might want to explore with your practitioners is something called LDN or low-dose naltrexone. I know that there's a clinical trial going on right now in the U.S. about the effects of LDN on chronic fatigue, and I honestly can't say that I know of any other data to back up that idea that it might work, but it does seem like it helps people who have similar issues with their immune systems. So that might be something that you might just discuss with your healthcare team, and I will link to the um, clinical, clinical trial that I found um, in the show notes if you want to check that out. Otherwise, Kate, it sounds like you are doing all of the right things and asking all of the right questions, which I truly applaud you for. Really, honestly, keep up the good work. I know that this is such a long road to recovery and you just have to be patient with your body as it heals. And I know that's hard, but unfortunately, sometimes it feels like it's just a waiting game and that is all we can do to let our bodies heal. All right, friends, that's all I've got for you this week. If you are not already subscribed to this podcast, I would love it if you would hit that subscribe button. I've actually got some really great ideas for some fun stuff just for subscribers, which I have no idea, to be completely honest, when I'm going to get around to doing that. But if you aren't subscribed, you are never going to know when it happens. So if you also, if you know somebody who you think would benefit from the information in this episode, I would love it if you would share that with them. And if you're feeling extra generous, I would love it if you would leave a rating or review on iTunes. You can do that right from the app on your phone. You can find the show notes for this episode at marthaflorence.com slash 29. And if you want to connect with me on social media, come hang out with me over on Instagram. You can find me at martha underscore Florence. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time.